It's July 8th, 2008, and this is The Candid Frame. Welcome to another episode of The Candid Frame. Today's guest is James Atherton, who for over 40 years was a veteran news photographer covering the Washington Beat. For 20 years, he was a staffer for the Wires at United Press International, covering every U.S. president from Truman to Nixon, as well as major events of the day, including the McCarthy hearings, the 1963 March on Washington, JFK's funeral, and the Watergate hearings. He also served as a staff photographer and a picture editor at the Washington Post. This interview provided me a great opportunity to appreciate the work of press photographers who had to make their images without the benefit of motor drives, digital cameras, and laptop computers. Sometimes limited to only two sheets of film, photographers like Jim helped to document some of the country's and world's most important moments. He is a perfect example that the person behind the camera and not the camera itself is key to really making the image. I'd like to thank Chris Holtmeyer and Kathleen Petrie for making this interview possible. So sit back and enjoy our conversation with James Atherton. Well, Jim, welcome to the Candid Frame. It's, it's great to have you. Thank you. Well, tell us about how you began your career. I believe you, you, you began when you were in the military. Is that right? That's right. I was, when I got when I Got out of boot camp. I ended up on the way to the the uh, atomic bomb testing out in the South Pacific. And when we got into Honolulu, the uh, the fleet camera party had a request for a photographer. And um, I, my name is A for Atherton. And and I had on my records, I'd said I was amateur photographer, which is. You know, I think I shot one roll of film <laughs> on the box brown a year ago. And so I got pulled and ended up in the Fleet Camera Party, which was a, an organization they used to call the most shot-at men in the Navy because we photographed gunnery practices. And we'd go out and sit on destroyers or get on other types of ships and photograph them shooting at targets or floating on the pole, being pulled on the water or in the air. And uh, that's how I got into the business. And then when I got out of the Navy, everybody went to college. And I went and took a course here in one of the millions of special schools that they set up after the war for the GI Bill. Mm -hmm. And it was the National School for Photography here. And I learned all the fundamentals there. Up to then, I really didn't know anything more than what they taught me to do my job as a as a photographer in the Navy. So how'd you get started in the in the news business? Well, I <laughs> I got a job with old Acme News Pictures, which is United Press International. And uh, I got a job as a telephoto operator. Now, I don't know if you know anything about the AP. All the wire service had machines and they transmitted pictures all over the world and received them from all over the world and serviced the newspapers. And the machine, you either transmitted the picture or you received the picture. 
and, and it was like working in a dungeon. <laughs> and it was very hot and dirty and everything. But anyway, I did that for a couple of years. And then Korean War came along, and the UPI sent the viewer manager and one of our photographers to Korea. And so they had to hire a, someone until he came back. And I asked the boss if I could have the job. And he said, you think you can handle it? I said, yeah, give me a chance. So they handed me a speed graphic, said practice with it. When you're ready, we'll put you out on the street. And they could never get rid of me after that. <laughs> what was, <laughs> so do, you, was, do you remember what your first uh, first assignment was? Well, I, I worked nights. So probably the first assignment was, a, uh, you know, there was a fire near uh, one night, and I had to go out and cover it. But a lot, most of the first assignments were social job because I worked the night shift, and uh, there were assignments you wouldn't remember. But in the old days, when I started in the business, they didn't even let you into a party. Mm. You used to be able; they would come out and pose for you because they the News photographers in that era, everybody thought the Ouija image, which is a dirty, smelly photography that mm. you didn't want in your house, let alone in your party. And so we we dressed according to the, the social situation. It got to the point where they actually would allow us in to cover these parties. And so that's how that's more or less the. The, uh, the kind of assignments I had earlier, but anything, anything that came up in the middle of the night, I covered a a uh, senator one time who, I think he was from Arizona, and he he collapsed in the Senate floor and made him being carried out. Mm. So, you know, if something happened at the White House, you'd go over and cover the White House. Talk about the the turn what the turnaround would need to be in terms because you know you'd had to get the film you had to go get over to the office process the film you know and how would you get it on the wire how long what was this process and how long would it take? Well, it, 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 we're talking about daily stuff. I wouldn't talk about nightly stuff, but it would. I would say if you if you went out on an assignment, we had couriers and so. It was an important job. You'd, the, you'd, the office would send a motorcycle a courier to you, and you'd give them the film, and it would maybe it'd take them 15 minutes to get into the office, and they would probably have a print made a half hour, 45 minutes later, and they would transmit it. Hmm. And it took probably 10 minutes to, to move the picture on the wire, and, and, and that was instantaneously... They had a leased wire all over the world, and so the picture went everywhere all at once. So it was, it wasn't digital, but it was really fascinating, but that kind of thing. And as a telephoto operator, I saw an awful lot of very great news pictures. Mm. And I also worked around, and Washington had some of the best wire, for, best news photographers in the world in Washington in that era. You. You weren't in Washington unless you were good. And they were all real pros, and I, that's how I learned the business, really, being around them and going out, and they taught me the business. They'd tell me how to do things, and then I'd stand next to them, and they'd beat me. 
<laughs> what, what were some of the things that they taught you, particularly about shooting in Washington? Uh, you, when you're out, you 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 have to be always on. In other words, you have to be ready constantly. You had a speed graphic. It's always preset to like six feet because in those days, photographing the president, you'd be six feet away from him, mm. and you'd have a speed graphic with a holder. And it's like if you went into the White House and they called you in to make a picture of the president with a visiting dignitary. You'd go in there, they'd call for photographers, and you'd, we'd all rush into the president's office, and they'd, you'd make a couple of, a couple, you'd make one holder. Usually you shot the first picture you made and make sure you had a picture. That's what we called, you made one for the bag, mm-hmm. and then you waited for something, them to do something interesting. And it's like, oh, like Eisenhower. Eisenhower. It's a wonderful guy. He had a magnificent smile. And if it was a serious situation, you you, <laughs> you had a hard time getting a serious face on him because of that. Because he was always smiling. So you'd have to constantly try to, to make a picture to depict this kind of story. And then they would they'd say, that's it, and they'd turn the lights on and they would throw you out. So you were, you were in the president's office. Not more than a minute, minute and a half, maybe two. And if you hadn't gotten a picture, I remember one time a big, very important photographer came down from New York, and we went into the president's office, and we came out. <laughs> and he didn't make anything. It happened so fast. He oh, didn't wow. even get a frame off. <laughs> but, you know, yeah, it was it was an interesting era. And some of the greatest news pictures of presidents were made by all the wires and and those same kind of circumstances. It's like there's a great picture of Helen Keller feeling the president's face. Now, Helen Keller was a very famous deaf person. And she, that's how her, she saw him. And they made a picture of the two of them standing there. And every professional photographer in the room got the picture of her touching his face. Mm. And 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 that's then and they came out and they all had two frames. They had both sides of one holder. Wow. So that gives you an idea how competent these people were. They were really and wonderful guys. They wouldn't do anything. they would teach you anything you needed to know, they would tell you anything you needed to know, and they'd stand next to you on the job and beat your butt. <laughs> <laughs> I mean really, a very competitive business. And so you learn how they were beating you. You discovered they were always on. Yeah. They would tell a joke, and while you were laughing, they'd make a picture and beat you. Well, I'm sure that they were they were very competitive, and they were always probably would do some stuff to the new guy. Do you remember what that might be? Well, there's one thing in Washington, which one of a very unusual things there. They when they gave you a speed graphic, it had a rangefinder on it, and the first thing they did was take the rangefinder off and throw it away. And you had to learn how to make guess focus. In other words, you set your focus on your uh, footage scale on your your speed graphic to six feet. Or if you put it, if you thought it was going to be a ten foot shot, you set it on ten feet. And you and you, if you were at uh, ten uh, six feet, and you in a situation happens at ten feet, you stepped in. You stepped in, leaned in, and made it. You had to 
instantly do it that way. It wasn't like these automatic cameras where it's automatic focus, automatic exposure. Everything was preset. So if you were using flash, you had to figure your exposure and everything. All preset, and then you had to change it very quickly if it changed. And so they they taught you how to do this. They explained it. They, they played games when they were having drinks at the office later at night. And they used to throw coins out and then guess how far it was and measure it. Mm. So you could, I could make a, with a speed graphic, for example, I could, without a range finder, have wire, and we used to use a wire finder. Because then you could see what was happening all around. I could make a three-foot headshot of a person, fill the frame with just his head, to an infinity shot, or a 20-foot shot, or a 10-foot shot, or a 6-foot shot. You, you, you looked at it, you focused it by looking, and then you shot it. And, you, and if you're using flash, for example, you know, if, if you're making a, a six-foot shot and it's 10 foot, you have to change the exposure or you, uh, it uh, doesn't turn out. Yeah. And so you had to be a technician as well as everything else. And they, they, they taught, taught me... You know, they would ask him if you didn't know how to. I remember one time I covered a, the first time I ever covered a horse race, I was over in the, oh, I think it was Floral. And all the photographers from the, the Baltimore newspapers were there. They covered every race because Baltimore's a big horse race town. And I never, never even seen, I've seen, movies of horse racing, but I never covered a horse race. And I asked the guys how to do it, and they told me exactly what I had to do, and they did it. Mm. So, and they they shared information. There's an interesting and, shot that that you have in um, in some of the images that were sent to me, and one of them is of uh, uh, Dwight Eisenhower, I think on on the grounds of the um, of the White, the House, White House, and oh, yeah. he's I guess waving up to his wife Mamie. T- tell us about how this how this shot happened. Okay, that was that was the day of his birthday, and he the, he was out, and they were celebrating his birthday, and he had uh, some people out on the White House lawn to, uh, you know, they they do that. They'll have people come in and they celebrate it, and he was out, you know, thanking people for it, and he pinched the nose of a little girl, and uh, and then he was walking back towards the White House. And Mamie was up on the, uh, that's what they call the the Truman porch from the South Lawn. And he saw her, and he just, as he was walking back, he just waved at her. And I happened to have a Nikon uh, body, one single lens. It was a, just a Nikon with a 35 millimeter on it, and I was about 8 feet or 10 feet behind him, and I just shot it. Mm. And... Nobody else was in a position. It was just one of those things. I was in the right place at the right time, and I threw the camera up and made the frame, and it worked out perfect. Wow. Well, and that 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 was in that's been in geographics uh, or the White House's uh, living White House for years. Yeah, that's a great. That's a wonderful photograph. That brings up brings up the point that you're you're around during that sort of transition where where photographers particularly news photographers, were moving from using speed graphic to 35 millimeter. I know oh, yeah. that, 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 you know, during the Korean War is when they, those first, you know, Nikon lenses and, and cameras were introduced. Tell us about the transition and how 
many photographers felt about the transition at the time. Well, you know, it, uh, <laughs> one photographer, I loved his comment about 35 millimeter. They gave him, he covered the war. A guy named Frank Hansler was probably one of the great news photographers of all time. That he covered, he was in China for four years during the World War II. And they gave him his 35 millimeter and they gave him a package of 24, 20, 20, 24 exposure rolls and I think there's 16 rolls of film there in the package, you know. Mm-hmm. And he laughed. He says, you know, he says, I covered four years in, in Asia and I never used as many frames. <laughs> <laughs> so he said, this is going to make bums out of photographers and photographers out of bums because of the ease of being able to shoot the pictures without having to, you know, with having that many frames on one roll before you had to change. You didn't have to... See, with the speed graphic, you put a holder in, you had to pull a slide, cock your shutter and shoot it. Then you put the slide back in, turn the holder over, put it back in, pull a slide, cock the shutter, then you shut with 35 millimeter. All you had to do is cock the shutter. Cock, mm-hmm. You know, you cock the shutter and then you shoot it. And you had 24 exposures before you ran out of film and you had to reload. And that's what he meant when he said that. Yeah. And it was, it's true. Because we learned in those days how to make pictures frame to frame. And I, I did that for the whole career that I was as a news photographer. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I used motors just to, so I didn't have to cock the shutter because I'm left-eyed. Mm. And if I made a picture, I'd have to take the camera down to, to cock the shutter. So I used a Nikon with a motor on it just to, to advance the film so I could hold the camera right up to my face all the time. Mm. But I always shot single frame, and I used to beat the kids and the new people that because they relied on the motor to make the picture, and I never lied on relied on the motor to make the picture. The best photographers are the ones that make it. They they pick the incident and make it. They don't run a motor and hope they get it. Well, that that's you can miss it. Yeah, that, but that's a lot about sort of anticipation, and when things are moving so fast, that's well, probably that's one of the challenges. Being, a lot of things involved, but it means you edit when you photograph, and you had to edit when you photograph. Heck, you'd go to the. I went on a. I went on a. Uh, flew down to cover a, a very bad a train wreck one time with a speed graphic, and I had ten holders. That's twenty exposures. And when I got back, I still had two holders left. Hmm. I made aerials, went down on the ground, they. All the pictures I thought I needed, got back on a Piper Cub and flew back. But you, you had to, you had to pick your frames. You didn't, because you'd run out of film. Mm. And you got to the point where you always, you never get caught without an extra holder if something happens. Because sometimes the best thing that happens is when you're driving home. <laughs> and so it's a, it was a different ball game, and most. Professional photographers literally edited as they photographed it because of that. Mm-hmm. Now, the transition that you don't realize is we went from speed graphics to rollways to 35 millimeters. Mm-hmm. And okay. we took rollies and had them modified so it was like shooting with a speed graphic. Oh. Except it, it was wonderful because you had, you had a roll of... Uh, 
and I think it was 10 or 12 exposures on a 120 roll, and you crank it. So you really, you could shoot pretty daggering a lot faster than you could with the speed graphic. But we rigged them so they worked basically just like the speed graphic. We didn't focus. We guess focused and everything. And so that was a great innovation. But then you got 35 millimeter, and it made it even easier. You photographed a, a lot of presidents starting with, with Truman. Tell me what it was like to, to photograph each of them, and how were they different in, in respect to their relationship with, with the photographers? Well, the press corps was very small. And, and Truman, for example, was like covering your best friend's father. He was just as an ordinary, all-American, and he was a great president, one of the greatest we've ever had. And this was and Truman? Harry Truman, Harry right. Truman, yeah. And he was a wonderful human being. And I remember when I was in there, my my speed graphics uh, kind of fouled up. And I, he posed for a picture, and, and I didn't get it. So <laughs> one of the guys handed their camera, and the president waited and did it one more time for me. And the guy handed me his camera, and I put a holder in and made a picture. So I didn't miss it. Wow. But that's, he would do things like that. Now... Eisenhower was, uh, he, he had what I called a rubber face. Very, emo- he had a wonderful smile and everything. And I won a, I won a prize with a picture of him. I was out in California and he, we were at a luncheon outside and, and we'd been traveling. You know, we, when you go with the president, you go every place they go. And he's sitting out and it was a very uninteresting luncheon. He's sitting there, he was kind of bored. So, I had a long lens on, and I'm just, you know, kind of keeping it on him. And he picks up this little American flag and starts to wave it. So I made a couple of frames of that, and I won the grand prize that year with that. Mm. And I called the Patriot. It's a picture of him with a pleasant look on his face, waving the flag. And he was a Patriot. You know, he was general of the Army. And then they all were different. Uh, Kennedy is a guy that you... I had a, I had to have a love-hate relationship with him because I thought, you know, he was such a nice guy, a neat guy, he, and a young guy, so you could, and you couldn't like him and do your job because then you would hold back if he did something that you thought was pretty dumb. Mm-hmm. So the love-hate relationship is that you, you had a relationship like that so that if he did something dumb... You wouldn't make it. <laughs> you wouldn't hesitate. Because that's not, it was hard not to hesitate in certain things like that. And my editor, which was a guy named George Galen, he was probably the best wire service editor that I'd ever worked with. And I remember when oh, LBJ, that's Lyndon Dane Johnson, when he was over, he had an operation, and he was over at Bethesda Naval Hospital having a press conference. And he pulls up his shirt and shows his scar mm-hmm. on his belly. And I happened to be in the office. And this picture came in, and my boss edited it, and he looked at it. And he said, he says, I can't use that. That's horrible. <laughs> I said, George. I said, he did it at a public press conference. The world's going to see this. You, you have to use it. Sure, you, you know. If it's horrible looking, that's his problem, not ours. Mm-hmm. So he uses it, and so it, it, it. There's a lot of incidents like that where you uh, 
you photograph things and you feel bad about what you photographed, but if it's, if it's news and it's fair game, you use it because everybody else is going to use it. But, you know, no, nobody intentionally tries to make the presidents look bad. Yeah. Because if you cover the White House, you're in a sense, I used to cover it every third month. And every third month, I was his photographer. People don't understand that. They, they hand-fed you. You didn't get to photograph the president except when they invited you in or he came out publicly to do something. Mm. And, you know, so... You have this, sense, go ahead. You have this great, un, so almost unguarded moment that sort of... It may have started off as set up, but but you got something kind of unique, and it's that shot of Kennedy with I think uh, Grace Kelly looking over his shoulder at him. Oh yeah, that's that's a Kennedy. lovely shot. Tell, tell us about that. <laughs> well, that was one of those things where we were all say we knew they were the Grace Kelly and her husband that were at the White House touring it, and we were all in the sitting in the lobby of the White House on our side, on the press side, and. All of a sudden, they they walked out and walked right out of the White House and stood right in front of the door that we always went in. And there was all of them were there. There was Renee, I mean, Grace Kelly's husband, uh, Jackie, Grace Kelly, and uh, the president, JFK. And all four of them were in that picture. And I I have a shot of just them talking there, and... And then he pointed, and she was looking up. And, uh, and I've seen cartoons of it. They use it in cartoon books. And it's funny. It's, 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 how did I miss this hump? You know, it's a little thing like in a, yeah. in a comic strip. <laughs> and she's got these moony eyes looking up at him. And, and not only my, this is my editor, George Galen. He cut the other two out because that was the picture. Yeah. So he cropped it, and that's part of a good editor. Now, Life Magazine used it, and they they came in real tight on her face and just cut his, in other words, you just barely, you see, the, just cut his head in half. All of us, you can see is his face mm. in front of it, in profile, and she's looking up at it. And they used that as a picture of the, the, the month one day. Wow. In fact, it was the first one that, that they did. They used to do that a long time ago, and then they did it. With that picture, and it, 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 it just—it's a good editor can make you, not only in photography but as in writers. Let's let's talk about that. About you know, you, you make a great point about you know being talented as a photographer is important, but working with a great editor is probably even more so because they're the ones who decide what pictures end up running. So tell us about what what you think makes makes a good a good editor. Well. Um, experience. Making a good editor is an experience. You've seen a lot of pictures, and those pictures are patterns and design, and designs, and and interest, interesting lighting. It all these things in, in, are involved in good pictures. And an editor, I mean, even with even with you using either speed graphics, a Rolly, one twenty or thirty five millimeter, he will. Find the pictures, and they're the best pictures, and pull them and print them. And uh, and sometimes the uh, oh, I'm trying to think of one picture that was exact. Uh, 
you know, it, it, it's great editors. Well, well, wait a minute. Oh, here, here it is. Here, we'll do this one. Great editors. Okay. I was, I made a picture of Lyndon Baines Johnson and the governor of Delaware. And we were coming back from a trip. We were, and we stopped, oh, maybe for 20 minutes in Delaware and made pictures and the president and the governor spoke and all that jazz. And when we arrived, as we ran up, a dog, a little dog, walked by in front of me. So, you know, that was a little odd picture. So you made that. And then I realized I looked up, and here are these two politicians sitting up on this stand with railings there. And they're sitting there with their hands on their knees and their legs spread out. And I said, this is funny. I think it was hilarious. I ran up and shot the picture. I cut up close enough so I didn't have any railing in front of it. And mm. leaned in with a wide angle and made the picture. Now, I didn't have anybody even using that in Delaware to handle the picture. But apparently, when I got into Washington, I gave my film to my office, and the editor pulled that picture right out. He saw the you know, the humor in the picture, and it was, I, I, think, I think that's a neat picture, but, and he had the guts to use it because it, they kind of look a little corny. Mm. <laughs> but I loved it. But you had to have a gut to use the best picture. And uh, I know when I, was, I, when I first went to the Washington Post, I was a picture editor. You know, he had two or three. And on the big... A big uh, uh, thing that happened in Washington, all the kids were running around and marching and running around. The gals were, you know, topless and things like that. The managing editor, they both had two. They had an editor, executive editor, and a managing editor. And the managing editor, Eugene Patterson, who was a very famous newspaper man, he won a Pulitzer with the UPI and... And he became uh, a publisher of a couple of big newspapers. He came into the dark room, I mean, the dark room, in the photographic department. And he said, I don't want to see another nude come out of this dark room, period. And he walked out. And I'm editing this stuff, and this beautiful nude picture comes by. <laughs> I mean, it was kids' had, well, the, the guys had all the girls on their shoulder. And they were in a fountain, and they were dancing around in a fountain. It looked like a scene from Midnight Summer's Dream. It was just beautiful. I punched it. The printer had heard Patterson say it. He said, well, 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 I should print it. I punched it. I printed it. My hand carried it out there. They didn't use it out front, but they used it four columns inside, and nobody ever said a word to me about no. it. And somebody said, well, how, would you, how come you would do that? I said, that's what they were paying me to do. Mm. I said, I, to me, to pass up that good a picture, just because he made a blanket statement, don't send out another nude. Is, <laughs> I said, I'm the editor. He can still reject it. I don't, I don't have anything to do with actually putting that picture in the paper. And I thought it was, it, it was too good a picture to pass up. No. And so that, to me, you have to have the, uh, the guts and... And the ability to see a picture and the guts to use it, period. 
You were at And uh, you also have to know how to crop it for impact. Yeah, crop and cropping is still a, a, a you know, it's 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 an art to to good to good cropping cuz a, a lot of people when they begin they just well, first you're cropping when you're shooting and then later on you still need to sometimes crop even after in order to sort of refine refine the image particularly you know when things are happening very quickly that's right that's one other thing you know a lot of times you just shoot at it and you don't know whether you're going to get it or not and cropping is very important of course in the wire service when i grew up you always cropped it as tight as possible because you know they space is the big problem and uh, they always, you know, you used to make a picture, and if people are spread apart, you always try to get them as close as possible. Truman used to comment on, he says, if you want to be sure you're going to be in the picture, always be in the middle. They have a heck of a time cutting you out. Mm. Speaking of cropping, <laughs> one of the images that was sent over to me was John Dean um, testifying during the Watergate investigation. And it's interesting to see the crop marks that are, like, very tight on his face, but yeah. in, in the... In the in the original frame, you see his wife behind him, and she has this sort of pained look while he's while he's reading. And for me, that that entire frame is so so sort of telling about what was happening for for her, and probably for them at that moment. Then the crop marks would would suggest. Tell me about that particular shot and how it may have ended up uh, running in in the paper. Well, the, that particular shot ended up run, running with her in it. Now, they probably cropped in tight on his face later for just, just a headshot. Mm. Later. And that was funny because he sat there and he'd, he'd been two days reading his statement, which is a big pile of papers there. And he never all he did was look up and look down. And it, it, it was photographically it was nothing. And so I said, what do you do? So you leave the whole, everything, her in the background, him reading the statement and his big pile of the statement. And, and that ran front page like that. Now, if they cropped close, that was, like I said, they, they needed a close-up of him. And, and when you cover something like that, you're in a crowd. And, and uh, everybody with the kitchen sinks in there shooting. Mm. And uh, I remember I was shooting some of that stuff, and there was a a, a high, you know, big, very famous photographer sitting there shooting, and he he was loading his third roll of film in his camera. <laughs> and I said, to him, I had I had a 24 exposure roll, and I hadn't even shot one roll. I shot pictures, but not one more one roll. And I asked him, I said. I said, this is your third role? I said, what, is, what have I missed? And he gave me the dirtiest look. <laughs> Why would I sit, give him 50 pictures of this guy looking down reading his, his, his uh, statement with his wife in, back, in the background? You know, you get a good, clean shot of it, and you go on from there and try to do something more interesting. Was but that, cropping is important. Was that one of the more challenging events to shoot, the whole sort of Watergate investigation? Because it wasn't, it's not like a fire where there's a lot of, you know, dynamic things going on. A lot of it was men sitting behind desks for the most part. Oh, yeah. Uh, well, they're, they're always challenging because, you know, you've got the same players sitting there 
testifying. And, and like I said, Dean, I think he was on for a week. And uh, so you had to pay attention to what was happening with the committee, and you had to pay attention to people's reaction to certain things and try to make and every day you try to make something different because you know the scene basically didn't change Mm -hmm. and so it was a challenge and you know you'd make side shots back shots semi-general views and you you you, every day is like my wife was always impressed with the fact that i made pictures about the fourth day into the hearing with dean testifying and i made just close-up pictures of his hands Mm-hmm. And they used a strip, three of them, inside. Because it was a little something different. And see, I grew up at this is what in the newspaper business they call this is art. In other words, they use pictures for decor and also to fill up space. They have a full page, and, you know, the story doesn't fill up that whole space. Then they'll put a picture in there. The written word was basically if they had the story. And it jumped from the front page inside, and you got a picture out front. That's fine. But when you got inside, if they had a page for, you know, the story, and they had space for a two or three column picture or five columns of, you know, like three close-ups of guys, they would use that to fill out the page. Mm-hmm. And so it uh, it was an interesting business, and it's fun. That, and you. Interesting. Try to make it look different every day. But well, one of the yeah. images that was that you have that is very different was of the March on Washington uh, when Martin Luther King made his "I Dream," uh, "I Dream of." Um, his oh, I, dream I know speech. that. And yeah. that 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 shot that you call the Emancipator from the perspective of the the Lincoln uh, statue and the Lincoln Monument. That's that's a perfect example of making. Um, a, a completely different kind of image. Tell us about how 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 you conceived that shot and how you managed to do it. Okay, to conceive it, my one of my editors and a friend, they took a bamboo pole and put a bracket on it so we could mount a Nikon with a very with a twenty one millimeter lens on it and a motor, and they they rigged this. And they found out exactly what they needed inside, and they rigged the daggone pole and everything. And then I carried it up to the uh, Lincoln Memorial and set it down until it started. And now the AP had conceived this picture too, because a New York Times photographer had made a picture one time because they were doing something on the, doing some work inside, and they had a scaffolding back there behind Lincoln. And so he made a picture from the scaffolding a long time ago. So we, we all, anybody that paid attention to pictures knew a picture like that would be really kind of interesting. Now, AP had a first world-class pipe thing they put their camera on, <laughs> bamboo pole, which is funny. And, uh, <laughs> but the funny thing about it, I had much more control because I could, I could put it up behind the, the camera and I could push the, you, this is what I call my greatest Hail Mary. But you could push the bamboo pole in, and it would tilt the camera. Oh. And, and, and on the metal one, he couldn't do that. He put it up, it was rigid. And I shot it twice. I shot it once, and I called him, and I said, well, how, how, how's it was? 
And the editor said, they said, well, you know, you know, if you gave it a little more exposure, it'd be a little better. So I put it up the second time and shot it. And the second time was the best picture. And uh, and so they used that. And people say, you, one guy said to me one time, he said, why would you tell people you shot it twice? I said, look what happened. You, 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 you think I'm stupid? If I can make it better, I'm going to make it better. <laughs> and, you know, the name of the game is do the best you can. And, and by that time, I'd, I'd realized what I could really do with it. And it, 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 I'm very proud of that picture, but I call it it's my, my best uh, Hail Mary. Mm. You hold the camera up over your head and shoot blind. You always could say, Hail Mary, full of grace, hope that this is a great one. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you pray a little. But you get to where you can do that. How, so it's interesting. How did you see the whole industry change in terms of, you know, being a, a news photographer, segueing into this whole nomenclature of being a photojournalist? I know that you have some opinions about that, but what, what was your overall sense of how, not only how the the job change, but the relationship between photographers and and the subjects, particularly their Washington subjects, changed. Well, I I I saw where the the, the whole industry, especially during the last administration, they became, in a sense, uh, so wrapped up in making sure they get their fair share of the, the goodies. In other words, the the uh, what I call. You know, I, all the years that I, I covered, for 20 years I covered the White House, and for 20 years I covered the Hill. And never once was I invited in for an exclusive picture without anybody else. And everything I shot, it was either I, I initiated it or it was shot with all the press there. And they, they were so intimidated, as far as I'm concerned. They never, don't ask me why these people... And didn't intimidate me, but they didn't. I never, there was one, they never scared me. And, and the people say, well, how can you make a bad picture, you know, the negative picture that made the president look bad? I said, that's what I do. I'm not there to make them look anything. If they look bad and, or they look naughty or they look guilty, that's what I try to show. And I said, I'm not here to please them. I'm here to make a news picture, a news picture. And I, grew up where you made the best picture of the day, and that's what you were trying to do. Mm. Generally, best picture was the best. Now, they, they got trapped by that, that whole system that they would, you know, they, they would get an exclusive. And I've been news junkie to the point where I've watched television and their exclusives, and they were really getting nothing. It was exclusive, but they got nothing of substance. And... So when, as I was covering them, <laughs> I'd get whatever I could that the, the, to go with the story. And then and I, I, I covered the hill for Capitol Hill after Watergate until I retired. And, and I became very good at making editorial comments with my camera of the people that covered that were. And in other words, if the guy had done something wrong, I would make him look like he was guilty. Mm. If he was miserable, I always made him look miserable. And the one picture I really liked the most was a picture of Senator Harris and Williams who had been impeached. And he came out after impeachment on the Senate floor. And he came out with his wife. 
and he, he smiled and grinned and talked and and I kept trying to get a picture of him looking miserable or sad or mean and I came up with a tight shot of him and his wife where he was spitting out his you could almost feel his you know his, his anger about the fact what had happened to him and his wife was right on his shoulder and she you look at her and you couldn't tell whether she was about to to break out and cry or smile mm. and tight shot and it just did it all and 90 percent of the times when i was photograph i was trying to photograph him was he was smiling <laughs> and the photographers were just jumping up and down running around shooting here and there and, there. and i stayed in one spot where I could get the, both of them in a tight shot and played played out front, and it was beautiful. And people would say, "Well, what is she? Th- what's going on with her?" I said, yeah, "That's your decision. I just named the people." Mm-hmm. And so it 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 all depends on your perspective whether you wanted to think if she was about to break out and smile or break down and cry. Yeah. But well, in my family, she looked like she was going to cry. What did you like best about? about doing what you did about well, the I, I, I like the fact that once I walked out the door of either the Washington Post or the United Press I was I was my own man and I had I had to make the decisions while I was out shooting and I liked the freedom I had and the fact that uh, senators or presidents None of them intimidated me. Don't ask me why, but they didn't because I realized, I discovered that these people are just like you and I. They're just people. They're smart, very powerful people. But I would never, I, I, I enjoyed the fact that I could do my job and they, they never discriminated against me because they didn't like what I was doing. Mm. I was never denied anything that everybody else got. And that's the way I liked it. And I enjoyed that. That's one of the things I liked is that nobody told me how to do my job. I knew how to do my job. And I was a professional, and I prided myself being a professional news photographer, not a a photojournalist. Mm -hmm. I think that the longest time I ever spent on one story was three days. Wow. (laughs) Well, they, the way I always end the show is I ask the, a photographer to suggest the name of another photographer that they want uh, others to consider or, if possible, to, to go out and look at their images or books. Who would that be for you and why? And I'm ter- well, uh, if, to me, uh, I've been retired for like 18 years or something like that, but to me, to look at somebody else's images and everything was... If you went back and looked at Frank Cancellara's images, who's, a, who's an old wire service photographer, and he's the one that was in China for uh, four years. And he was a, not only was he a great photographer, but he was a great he was a great uh, Washington photographer. And he really he made some wonderful pictures, and and and, and he and he shared his information. <laughs> feelings and how he worked and his philosophy and uh, and the great photographers all shared information and I mean somebody asked me one time she said did you uh, you know did you ever have somebody that you really helped 
Perfect. I said the only way I really have helped people, I think, is giving them good advice about being a professional photographer. And the fact that it, it's not always fun. And if you go into news photography and expect it to be exciting and fun and et cetera all the time, I said, you're in the wrong business. I said, you have to go out and do things you don't want to do. But I, you know, that's a, Frank Cancellar is a guy I would, I would research and do because he was really, he did some wonderful things. But well, any of the old news photographers were like that. They were all so wonderful. The uh, modern photographers, I, I can't think of anyone that's still alive. <laughs> <laughs> well, them, I'm 80, so it's kind of hard to think of somebody that's still alive. Well, and they they buy them out, so who knows what's it. I, I really couldn't recommend anybody in the modern I think game. it's a wonderful, a wonderful suggestion. And, and thank you, Jim, so much for being on the show. It was a real honor and, and a pleasure to have you. Well, I'm honored. And thank you for having me. And a good luck, good luck with it. Thank you for joining me for another episode. If you have any comments or suggestions, email me at thecandidframe at gmail.com or post a message on the blog at thecandidframe.com. Till next time, this is Avarian X Perello, and this is The Candid Frame. Check out this show and more great photography podcasts at photocastnetwork.com photocastnetwork.com